Welcome to my favorite podcast with Noah Marger. traffic jams along the extra mile just big fucking rats that have shit on their fur and teeth like garbage uh roger staubach quarterback for the uh dallas cowboys said that one um he was pissed he was actually pissed (sighs) he was actually pissed off when he he was actually yeah he was actually pissed off when he said that (laughs) okay it feels like feels like it's been forever (laughs) since (laughs) i've done this and i uh I don't know. I don't know where I'm at, but uh, we're doing it, baby. We're back. Yeah, Welcome we're back it. to my favorite. Hey, guest, you know what? Why don't you just shut the, shut the fuck up for just one second while I introduce you? Okay, sounds good. <sighs> Welcome back. To my- <laughs> I'm sorry, guest. That was mean. Welcome back to my favorite podcast. This is the podcast about people's favorite things. I am, of course, your host of the show, Noah Marger, your favorite thing. Please objectify me as much as you want. Just don't tell me about it. Uh, Welcome back to the show. I know that everyone is... Oh my God, we're back. We're back doing the show. It's awesome. I love that. That's what I know. That's what you guys are thinking and feeling and thinking about right now, which is cool. It's very cool. It's cool. Adam C. Cash posted for the first time in a while on Instagram. So go check that out. Go ahead and follow Adam C. Cash if you get the chance. Thanks. Gonna introduce the guest now, okay, <laughs> my guest today. Folks, we got a good one, all right? You're spoiled. I keep, bringing on the, I keep bringing on heaters of guests. You guys do not deserve the quality of guests that I bring you on this show. You morons, the guest today <laughs> is a writer for The Verge. That is not a joke. My guest is actually a writer for The Verge. He's also the video game editor. For Merry-Go-Round Magazine, which is an online culture magazine based in Los Angeles, California, of course. And you can check out his personal blog, Other Arrangements, at otherarrangements.substack.com. That will be linked in the show description. Please welcome to the show my friend, who I met at a Groundhog Day party, Ian Campbell. Ian, hello, chef. Hello, Noah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. I feel like I kind of scared you a little bit when I told no, you. No, it's good. It's good. I, I need that, you know? You need just to be frightened, just unbelievably so. That's good. I'm glad I could provide that for you. Yeah, no, I. Uh, it's appropriate. I don't know if listeners will know necessarily when we recorded this, but I'll just say, listener, that it's appropriate to be scared when we're recording this. <laughs> I'll go with that as well. I yeah. think that could mean a multitude of it different things. It means a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll go with it and it will continue to mean a lot of things cuz this I believe this will come out and we will have knowledge that we don't have now. That is what I will say. Or worse, we won't. <laughs> that is also true. Or worse, we won't. If we don't have knowledge that we don't have also right now, that's an even bigger problem. Right. I guess we cross that bridge when we come to it. And by crossing that bridge when we come to it, it just means continue to do nothing and get mad online. Right. Be glad you're listening to a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Be glad that you have the opportunity to fucking put this in your goddamn ears. 
Uh, Ian, thanks for being here, my friend. Uh, I love the fact that we're looking at each other on Zoom right now. Uh, we are talking today about something that I knew would ultimately come up yes. uh, on this show. But we, weren't, we aren't going to talk about that quite yet, okay? Because I asked you what you wanted to talk about on the show. And you said, I want to talk about this, but I kind of also really want to talk about this other thing. So for my Noe's question today, it's Noe's question. It's not really actually much of a question at all. Can you just tell the class a little bit about the capybara? Yes. Okay. So yeah, like Noah suggested, uh, capybaras were one of the things I was interested (laughs) in talking about on the podcast. Yeah. As a potential favorite thing, in this case, a favorite large rodent. And uh, that's really what they are, is capybaras are the largest rodents that walk uh, the earth (laughs) that I'm aware of. Sure. Hopefully we'll never have to be aware of a larger one, because if there's a larger one, I think it's game over. Yeah. And they are, they're just really lovely creatures. They're from South America originally. Um, They are a relative of the guinea pig, technically. Like, oh, they're shit. part of the okay. same... I don't know if it's genus or family, but, you know, they're distant relatives. Um, and visually, I wish I could show you, listener, what they look like, so I encourage you to Google this. Visually, <laughs> they look sort of like a giant guinea pig, you know? That's true. That's yeah. very true. Have you ever actually seen one, like, up close, so to speak? Or have you only seen them through a digital screen? So this is a weird, that's definitely weird about my relationship to this creature, is that I've only seen it in video and photos. I've never seen one in real life. Um, so it's possible they don't exist, and uh, Damn. this is like an elaborate hoax, but I know that if I ever do see one in person, it's going to be in a very important moment for me. Yeah, I would have to imagine, I mean, a capybara is not necessarily an animal or rodent, you know, however you want to classify it as it's not really something you come across on the daily. And so, uh, to do a mini episode of this show right now, mm-hmm. why do you like the capybara so much, Ian? I, uh, I think because how I was first introduced to them was with like a lot of photos of them, like a capybara hanging out with an entirely different animal. It's so like a, okay. a capybara, like hanging out with like a horse, <laughs> or like Holy sitting shit. in a hot spring with like a monkey, like that kind of thing. Um, sure. They seem to be really friendly, and there are just some animals in the animal kingdom. I don't know if you know this, Noah and listeners, but there are some animals in the animal kingdom who are just chill, <laughs> like they can just hang, you know. And, sure. Uh, yeah. The capybara seems to be one of those. Like they are large enough. Where, like, they're not going to be bothered by, like, a bigger creature than it. Um, But also, like, mellow and um, non-predator-like such that another creature won't be afraid of them either. So it's, like, a good balance. That's Yeah, that's very interesting. They're kind of like the guy in high school who doesn't really have one friend group but can float between jocks, popular kids goth kids you know you name it all the different cliques it's kind of the 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 floater of the animal kingdom i would say they are definitely a floater in that way yeah uh i said you could talk about whatever you want just like i do to every guests uh every guest when i ask them to come on this show at a certain point depending on how long i actually do this show for we might run out i don't think you really can run out of topics but i think some of the big hitter items might be gone you know (laughs) off the list uh so to speak 
Um, so you picked podcasts, believe I it did. or not. Uh, like I said a little bit ago, eventually I knew I was going to have to title an episode my favorite podcasts with, you know, blank, whoever ultimately ended up being the first culprit. And you are the first culprit to do that, Ian. And so I have to ask, why pick podcasts? Um, well, the the first answer, and this is like the really simple one, is that I wanted to do video games, and I know that was like the first episode of the show. <laughs> um, sure. So I was like, I'll leave that. Um, and I was trying to think of like what's a what's a broad enough topic that there's a lot to talk about theoretically, but also can be specific enough that it feels personal and um, would actually be like impactful for me to share experiences with. And sure. podcasts fit the bill. I think as like in terms of like a medium, um, I've had as long a relationship with them as I have like film. I, I would say, which is strange oh, wow. to, okay. to think, but like I've I've enjoyed them uh, critically or like with an artist's eye. I think as long as I've enjoyed film, so they they feel like one and one to me in terms of like here's an impactful thing that I know has shaped my life in some way that is actually a favorite that I would want to talk about. Well, I don't, I don't mean to like, you know, make you mad, but you could have talked about video games if you really wanted to. So <laughs> I know, you'll just I have know, to come back to do and do video new. games. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Totally fair. I yeah. get it. I respect it. I thank you actually yeah. for wanting to do something new. I, I appreciate that. But if you want to do video games, we'll just have to have you come back and do video <laughs> games because I know, I mean, you are the video game editor for merry-go-round obviously that you know holds a special place in your heart but thank you for picking something different thank you for going you know out on a limb out on a tree branch maybe that a couple monkeys could sit on uh-huh. potentially a couple of monkeys like you and me for the next 90 minutes yeah, yeah okay um well you said you've been enjoying them with a critical or artist's eye you know for as long as you've been enjoying film and that is my next question is what is really your relationship to podcasts? When did they come into your life? How has your relationship with them grown, changed, gotten worse, gotten better? Talk to me just about your overall relationship with podcasting and podcasts. So uh, fans of uh, the Ian Campbell cinematic or uh, audio universe will know (laughs) that I I shared an album on It's On The List um, that is probably like my favorite album that I listened to in high school. It was sure. Tan Lines, Mixed Emotions. So yeah. uh, right around the same time that I started listening to that album, I started actively listening to podcasts. And okay. you might wonder, like, what is the, uh, why does Ian have all this time to listen to hours and hours of uh, audio? And <laughs> <laughs> the answer is Ian was very lonely in high school um, nice. and okay. had to yeah. walk home from school often. So needed something to listen to for like the mile walk from school back home. So that's sure. how I like started listening to podcasts. Um, but once I got into it, I was like, oh, there's so much variety. And I think that's like when the critical mind kicked in or whatever. And I'm like, oh, totally the form, you know. Ah, yes, the podcasting form. (laughs) You know, that's what Aristotle was writing about in the poetics. (laughs) It wasn't theater. It was podcasting. And they've been, he was in a way the first podcaster. It just, they didn't have the way to, they didn't have a way to record it digitally. So people just scribed everything that he wrote. Or he'd like sit on the steps and then he'd like repeat himself and they'd all listen. Exactly. And that was, uh, you know, ancient podcasting. So shout out to our boy Aristotle. Shout out to Socrates. Shout out to Plato. Plato, 
I don't think Plato would be very well received online today, which I know is kind of an insane thing to say, but I have a feeling Plato might get the shit kicked out of him either in reality or digitally do you share that sentiment how do you feel about i that? not only do i share that sentiment i would say all three of those dudes would already be canceled if they had twitters <laughs> definitely definitely socrates but like for reasons outside of like his own opinions about exactly things. yeah you know why why would aristotle be canceled just because he's like a loud mouth i think so i i think like I'm trying to think of, like, people who are on Twitter now who, like, take the philosopher role, you know, of, like, sure. I'm the person who's going to synthesize what's actually going on or whatever. Um, sure. I think I think they don't last long. Anyone who thinks they know what's going on usually doesn't last long. That's fair. That's fair. It's very, it is kind of a red flag when someone's like, let me tell you how it really is, yeah. you know? That's when I turn off. Like an- That's when I tune out. Pretty much. That's when I take the headphone off and I say I'm done with podcasting <laughs> for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're on these mile long walks, you know, to and to and from school or just from from school? It would depend on the day, but usually from school. OK, so you're on these mile long walks from school most of the time. What I guess do you initially like about podcasting? And then as time has gone on and now that you're in your mid-20s, how is that sort of relationship about what you look for in a podcast or what you enjoy about a podcast changed or has it really changed? Maybe it's the same. So I think what I liked when I was younger, like high school age, was unfortunately was the like controversial aspect of podcasts, which is like the parasocial relationship, you know, this idea that you feel like you're friends with the people who are talking into your ears even though sure they don't know you exist <laughs> and uh they m- might not even know how many people are listening to their podcast in the first place you know right um so that definitely attracted me as someone who was like still trying to figure out how to make friends at a new school um having voices that i could hear every week was like wow that was like that was like big for me <laughs> yeah i'm gonna hang out with I don't know. I'm not saying you listen to this person, but this today I'm going to hang out with Joe Rogan. <laughs> exactly. And then the like next me and day, Joe are buddies. Yeah. And then the next day I'm going to listen to Aaron Mankey on lore or whatever it is. Right. You know, like I'm checking in with all my friends, so to speak. Yeah. And, and that's I, a very real phenomenon that like, that is like the reason why I think we keep going back to podcasts in a lot of ways. No, it is. I, and it's, and it's more, it's like, in multiple mediums, like it's not just in podcasts. Like I would say there are, are probably YouTubers, vloggers, people on Instagram who maintain similar relationships with their sure. fans or like with the people who consume their content. Um, it's not like necessarily a good thing. And in fact, it's a bad thing if like the person creating the content is taking advantage of the fan or whatever. But uh, I won't lie and say that I don't still like have some of those feelings about like the shows I listen to, you know? Sure. In a way it's inescapable. I don't know if I would say that it's inherently a good or bad thing. I don't know. I think it's just sort of how it works. If you are into it, you know, it's, it's not fiction a lot of the time, unless it actually is 
fiction that you're listening to. And it's like a well-produced, you know, fictional, well-written radio play, basically, uh, just in on-demand VOD form or AOD form, I guess, in this case. Um, More like AOC streaming Among Us, am I right? (laughs) That is going to date this fucking episode so (laughs) goddamn bad. When this comes out, that reference won't even be like, ha-ha. That will be like, you suck. Don't ever fucking say that shit ever again. Um, but I don't think it's inherently a bad thing or inherently a good thing. Just like I think with actually most things, it depends on how people use it or don't use it, you know? And we don't have to jump into specifics about who uses it in an evil way or who doesn't use it in a, or who uses it in a, you know, a heroic or good way, but it's just kind of the way it is. So I don't know if it's necessarily a good or bad thing, you know? Yeah. I I think that's fair. And that's why I specifically like mentioned the like creator has some responsibility or whatever. It really only becomes sure. bad when someone has bad intentions or is trying to make like a lot of money off <laughs> their fans or whatever. Sure. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I would say that's the thing that's been consistent from high school to now is a little bit of that. Like, oh, the people in my head who I listen to are my friends, you know? <laughs> yeah we are your friends or whatever that zach efron exactly movie was, when really exactly. in reality they're not your friends at all and they don't give a shit about you but we'd like that yeah. <laughs> to a certain degree yeah and uh the other like adult quality i think that i've gained or whatever is there's some notion of like this is a really easy way to be introduced to like a new topic or like totally. a new subject or just to learn something period um so i definitely have picked up and left behind shows for that reason, like as an adult now. Yeah. So what do you think makes podcasting as a medium unique? What do you think it is about the podcast that is unique and actually valuable, I guess, as a form of either entertainment or whatever, whatever you qualify, listen, what, however in your mind you qualify, I'm going to listen to this podcast because blank. What do you think makes the medium unique either in a actual creation sense or in a consumer sense about what you get from it? Yeah. Well, I mean, audio production is easy or not easy. It's not easy. I shouldn't say that, but I think it's easier in people's heads than like, oh, I'm going to start a YouTube channel or I'm going to make a movie sure. or whatever to sit down with a friend or to sit down by yourself and record yourself into a mic or into your phone is uh, it's a lower barrier to entry. So I think on totally. some level access is like a big feature that like anyone could do this theoretically. Um, it's changing, you know, like it's closing off a little bit. It's harder to get traction. There are people who like make a lot of money doing <laughs> podcasts now a lot of money um i don't have the specific figure in front of me uh chapo trap house do you know how much money they make a month off patreon it's like i don't know if it's hundreds of thousands but it's it's a lot (laughs) it's enough where that's like the pay for all the people on that show so ian they (laughs) have the number right in front of me now per month as of what is today, October 29th, 2020, that the Chapo Trap House podcast on Patreon makes $162,827 a month. And there are three hosts. Normally, sometimes they bring on Virgil right, or Amber. Three but consistent people. Yeah. 
there's three people who host that show. I'm sure they have a guy who, or a gal or a, a, a person who edits that show for them. So maybe they, you know, throw them some bones as well. I, I would have to imagine, but they're the number one earning podcast of all time. And that's not nothing. I mean, that's a lot for of one person. Yeah. It is. I mean, that's more than a million dollars a year just off a podcast. And to say that five years ago, that you could be a millionaire off doing a podcast, probably people would laugh at you. But now it's for real, baby. And we're entering 2021. And I think it's only going to get larger and more, I mean, upscale. We'll talk about it when we get to the fast facts, obviously. But I don't know, man. It's crazy. And I'm, I'm sorry I completely derailed you from what you were saying. But no. that, is, that is my job yeah, that- <laughs> to be annoying. That's a good illustration of like the access thing I was talking about is that like even when that podcast started, it started as a very casual thing for those three three guys. And now it's a now it's a business. Yeah. So I think they've kind of covered the whole spectrum of like what the experience of podcasting over the last. I mean, even though we said six years were the years that matter, you know, they've been around since like 2006 or whatever. So, yeah, they've kind of covered the experience that a lot of um the podcasting industry has gone through in a real way. Um, so yeah, I, I think access is a big part of it. And the other thing, if I were to narrow it down is like the, <laughs> I guess like it's sort of like the inversion or like addition to uh, what I was saying before about like parasocial relationships, but like the experience of someone talking into your head is like a very, um, it's a very, endearing experience and i think it's different than what you get watching a film like if even just think about it like someone's talking in your ear <laughs> for hours <laughs> sure yes and you're 100%. listening you know yeah or looking at your phone and missing every single thing that they're saying right but in theory you're listening to it yeah it's uh i don't know when you put it that way or when i put it that way in my head i always think like that's wild that people do that and that it works So that feels like a unique aspect of the medium to me is that like it's invasive, you know, like it gets in you in a way that um, a film isn't guaranteed to do. I feel like totally. And the other thing I think that is very what makes them so lucrative, not not just in the business sense, but in the just people want to be listening to them. I don't know if that motorcycle is (laughs) you guys are in your ears right now. I don't know if I'm in your ear right now with that motorcycle that just (laughs) literally ran through my Noah's on a chopper right now. He's actually (laughs) recording this on the move on the go. Dude, I am running away from the fucking five O baby. Watch (laughs) out. You are. This might be the last episode of uh, my favorite podcast of all time, but, um, damn (laughs) i I fucking hate that i hate this shit (laughs) i'm just kidding um no the just the fact that it is on demand and the fact that you don't have to tune in live if you don't want to to listen to it and you can listen to it whenever you want and it's available on your phone you know is huge i think for people as things become more on the go you know obviously right now we're in this weird you know flux state between you know being in a pandemic but not really being in a pandemic you know people are kind of back to normal it feels like or seems like um so it's interesting that you know the more that people crave on demand service the more podcasting becomes the thing because 
the predecessor to podcasting is talk radio, which, you know, was live. And if you didn't hear it when it aired, gone, missed it. You missed that episode. Now you can listen to the same fucking episode of Joe Rogan every single day if you wanted to. If you really wanted to, <laughs> you could do that, you know? So I think that's also another unique aspect of it is that it's on demand. You can listen to it whenever, whenever you want. And Noah, let me tell you, I have. <laughs> yes, yes, I, Chef. Uh, two of the episodes that we will be, two of the shows and episodes that we've talked about, I've done that for multiple episodes. Really I love that. I I think I know which ones they are, too, to be honest okay. with you. So we'll have to play a little game of uh, who's right, so to speak. Um, I want to get moving a little bit quicker here, but um, just I'm just interested because it is so different and there are actually options as far as this goes. Where do you actually get your podcasts from? Like, are you a Spotify guy? Are you an Apple guy? Are you a Stitcher guy? Where do you go to get your podcasts and why do you choose that medium? Um, right now I'm grabbing them from Apple podcasts, the podcast app. Um, yes. If only because it's free on and on my phone. And I think that's true for like a lot of people. If you have an iPhone, it's probably where you'll go first. Um, I've tried out other services. Like I did overcast for a while. Um, pocket cast. There's a bunch of apps basically. Um, but I've always come back to the Apple podcast one because I like, talking to Siri and saying, resume my podcast. Wow. Okay. Very interesting. It's interesting that you decide to go with the Apple, the iTunes, I guess, Apple podcast type thing. I wish that I liked that app more. It's got maybe the worst user interface, I think, of any of the big podcasting apps. I've never used pocket casts i've never used overcast um i actually i don't know anyone else who uses it i actually use stitcher believe it or not um yeah i'm a stitcher guy uh i because and we'll talk about this more when we get to one of the shows but i was obsessed with a a particular podcast and there is a thing on stitcher premium where for 35 dollars a year all of Earwolf shows are ad free. Uh-huh. I know which one of my which one was I obsessed <laughs> I with of the three. Um, they were they're they're ad free, and you had the entire back catalog of Earwolf content. And I think that's actually mostly true. The first show that we're going to be talking about that's not true for because I there's actually a fun little coincidence with what you sent me versus what's available on Stitcher Premium, but. I was like, I got to do that. And I was driving to and from, you know, LA and orange for college so much that I was just like, fuck it, dude. Like this is going to make my commute so much better. So I am now going on. This is my second year of using Stitcher premium. And I don't really have a lot of complaints to be honest with you. Not every single podcast is on Stitcher, but most of them are. And the ones that aren't, I just go to Spotify for. And the ones that are on Spotify, there's like one or two that I use Apple podcasts for, and I hate using Apple podcasts. Sorry, Apple, if you're listening to this, but yeah. uh, God bless you, Ian, for, for using the Apple podcast app. You're kind of a saint for that. I think. Yeah. I, I won't say I, like, I agree. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good, <laughs> but it works like a traditional podcast app should in the sense that it's literally just an RSS reader. Like it's pulling 
like every time they upload a podcast, it's basically just like a link. Apple Podcasts is clicking that link and downloading that audio. And there's no sure. there's no subscription service. There's none of that weird Spotify stuff where things are exclusive to one thing or another. Um, right. Everything is there that's going to be there. Um, and I like that. Even though the experience is not as good, uh, there is a certain <laughs> amount of freedom that I think it offers that, like, in particular, Spotify does not. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And Spotify is not a podcasting app. They just have the ability for you to upload your podcast to. And I have a feeling most people would tell you they use Spotify or they use Apple Podcasting for their apps. You might get some folks every now and then who use Stitcher or use Google. Is it, I know Google listen used to be a thing. They changed um, it. I think it's just called Google podcast. Now it's very boring. Just called Google podcast. I had a real hell of a time trying to get this podcast uploaded to <laughs> Google podcast. It's really fucking annoying. But if you, if you're listening to this in Google podcast, God bless you. Thank you, chef. Um, I think we might be able to move into the fast facts section now about podcasting. Ian, is that cool with you? If we move there, I'm ready. Lay it on me, lay it on you. All right, here we go. So, like I said, previously talk radio is sort of the obvious precursor to podcasting. And we don't really get a podcast until the 21st century. And people credited the modern podcast to two guys in particular. I believe it's pronounced. I'm going to say Weiner so that it's not, Wiener, but Dave Weiner and Adam Curry are usually the people that are attributed with inventing the podcast because they were the people that developed the ability to pull from RSS feeds. And which, if you don't know what an RSS feed is, I don't know how to explain it super well. Maybe Ian, you have a better idea. But basically, what I think it is is that it's just a way to upload something to one place so that multiple places can pull from a central location. How did I do, Ian? I, I think that's accurate. It's like, what if a URL for a website could be for more than just like visuals and text, but could be for files and accompanying visuals? And like, like what if a, a URL could hold a lot more information? I guess is basically the idea. <laughs> Who? What? What if a URL could drive a car basically <laughs> is what it comes down to. That's exactly like that. what it's doing. That's exactly. They're driving a car. Yeah. Um, writing for the guardian in February of 2004, journalist Ben Hammersley suggested the term podcasting as a name for this up and coming technology. And it's considered to be, that is the first time that the term podcast or podcasting was ever used. Presumably it's a portmanteau between broadcast and iPod. And like we were, you know, like we were saying, that was in 2004. It's 2020 when we're recording and releasing this episode. That was 16 years ago. This is a this is brand spanking new in the grand scheme of it. So it's just kind of crazy to see how far it's come along as an industry. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Uh the first ever podcast service provider was Liberated Syndication, aka libsyn.com. It's still up but it mainly acts as a hosting site now, and it's considered, I guess, to be the first ever hosting site. Ian, have you ever been out to Libsyn.com? Oh, I've been to Libsyn. I, uh, I am more familiar with them as a host, as a podcast host. Uh, when I've like researched right. trying to host my own audio or audio for friends, I've often gone there because they have probably like the simplest, most straightforward 
plans, you know, and it's like very reliable. It's like how people tell you to edit in audacity, you know, <laughs> it's like, right, it's not exactly. great. Like it looks very bare bones, but it gets the job done. Well, brother, we're going to actually talk about another one coming up because I got to shout out my podcast hosting site for this particular podcast. Um, yes. In 2007, Ricky Gervais set a record that would later be broken because obviously records records are made to be broken. Uh, he got 26, no, I'm sorry, 261,000 downloads on his podcast within the first month of it being up. So in 2007, that was the record. And honestly, that seems really high for 2007. Like, I don't even think about podcasting being that big in 2007 but i guess that's not even like that's not even i guess one percent of america really because yeah. isn't there like 330 million people in america or something like that something like that yeah it uh it sounds like a lot to me in 2020 i think because i'm like pretty small potatoes when it comes to like <laughs> getting people to download things that i made or whatever sure um but yeah that's a lot for 2007 and I think what we'll find, well, I don't know if you have a fact related to this, but like the audience who listens to a podcast is maybe a lucrative audience at any size. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I have a particular fact for that, but that does beg the question for me. And I'll, I'll you know, you know, here's a bonus you know, broad question that I'll ask Ian right now. What do you think the future of podcasting holds we're in the year of our lord 2020 right now either within the next five years 10 years however far out you want to go what do you think the future is and i don't not looking for anything in particular here i'm just curious what do you think the future for podcasting holds and what do you think we can come to expect in the next coming years i think you'll see a lot more exclusives um i think we've already seen that happen you know stuff that you can only listen to if you subscribe on patreon or you can only listen to if you have a Spotify account, like that kind of thing. I suspect we'll see more of that. And I suspect that um, platforms that offer tools to make podcasts really easily um, will end up being dominant. And I'm specifically thinking of Spotify in this regard because they own Anchor. And Anchor is like a super easy editing software that also will upload the podcast for you. Um and to me, that just seems like that's like the end game. It's like there's one distributor. It's Spotify. You make your podcast in there. You listen to it in there and you make your money through there as well. I think you're onto something there, brother. Yeah. It's very <laughs> dystopian to me. Like, I don't I don't like the idea, um, but I feel like that's the way things are going. Yeah, I think you're onto something there, and uh, we'll get to that actually a little bit later in the facts. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty epic, actually, that you've predicted the future, if only the future is five minutes away. Um, in 2013, we're jumping from 2007 to 2013 here, Apple announced 1 billion subscribers to podcasts on the iTunes store. That's a lot in six years. Yeah. That is a big jump from 260 thousand people downloading Ricky Gervais's show in one month to 1 billion aggregate subscribers on podcasts. That's an insane growth. I mean, just think about that. That's fucking crazy. It shows how long it takes like money people to realize when an idea is a good idea. Okay. That there was a billion people subscribed way back then. And they only just decided that they want to make money off podcasts. Like, in 2017 or what you know like it took them a while 
Yeah, it took them. It did take them a while. That's interesting. Wow, you are you're cooking my goose right now, <laughs> so to speak, as far as things that I had never con- uh, considered before. But you're 100 percent right. Speaking of 2017, in 2017, Amazon developed and produced the show Lore, which I think I uh, mentioned earlier, based on the podcast hosted by Aaron Mankey. A podcast got turned into something that is proven to be lucrative, an Amazon TV show. Right. Have you ever listened to Lore? I have tried. I don't really like it. It's interesting because I listened to an episode of it maybe a year ago or whatever, and I loved the episode that I heard. I thought it was awesome. And then every other episode I thought sucked. <laughs> and I was like, damn, dude, come on, man. Aaron Mankey, you got to get your shit together. It was a great episode. It was about, like, a couple who, like, got into, like, a fight or whatever driving home from a party. And then they were abducted by aliens. And I was like, this is riveting. This oh. is awesome. Yeah. Why have people not talked about this before? And I think I figured out why. Because the rest of everything I heard was not as good. And the Amazon show was animated, no? Oh, I have no idea, to okay. be honest I with you. I wasn't sure if Maybe it was live it was. action or animated, but I, I don't even know like how they adapted it, but whatever. We're never going to Yeah, I don't it. either. But animation would make sense, though, because it's like there's so much crazy shit happening in those episodes because it's about, you know, lore of mythic things and lore of things, these big ideas. Animation would seem like the way to get that across, you know, yeah. little recreations or whatever. Um, in 2019, here we go. This is exactly what you were saying. In 2019, Spotify acquires both Gimlet and Anchor FM. This is where I have to shout out Anchor. Uh, this podcast is hosted by Anchor because it's the easiest way to get it started at this point. It's free. Um, you know, I think if you're really a big dog as far as, you know, podcasting is concerned, you probably wouldn't use Anchor. But, like, for the person getting started, Anchor is – and this is not paid promotion. I'm not being paid to say this quite literally, even though I am hosted on Anchor. They should pay. They, it, they sh- they goddamn right they should. It's crazy the amount of listens you have to get to even make a little bit of money using Anchor. But uh, if anyone wants to, <laughs> if anyone wants me to read ads on the show, I will fucking do it. You doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. I will read. I will read ads for the dark web on here if you want me to read ads for the dark web. But uh, in 2019, they acquired Gimlet and Anchor, and you're you know it's just like what you were saying. It's all being funneled into one place it's all becoming a monopoly in that way and so uh but shout out to anchor because i hosted on anchor it's on the list as host on soundcloud mason figured out how to do that but uh i'm using anchor 10 times out of 10 instead of soundcloud sorry folks yeah what can it's I easier say? way easier yeah. way easier and libsyn i think isn't expensive to host i was looking at it now i think it's only like five bucks a month or whatever to host there and i'm sure it does a great job but Anchor's free, and it does the same exact shit, and that's it. You know, I don't think it gets easier than that at, the, at that point. We last, last little fact, Ian, my friend Ian. Mm-hmm. On May 19th, 2020 of this year, Joe Rogan announced that he signed a multi-year licensing deal with Spotify worth an estimated, drumroll please, da 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 $100 million dollars making it one of the largest licensing agreements in the podcast industry. The deal will make the Joe Rogan experience available on Spotify starting September 1st, 2020. So it's been available for a month or whatever. And from January, 2021, it will be exclusive to Spotify clips of the video version will still be available on YouTube. But when that happened, 
that to me was like things are going to change and things are going to become like streaming services are now. That was sort of my first indication of like, we're going to ultimately get to the point where it's like Chapo is only available on, you know, Griffin, whatever, you know, this imagine this imaginary hosting site or this imaginary streaming service Griffin. called Griffin, Griffin, maybe, you know, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Who knows where I could have pulled Griffin from. It's impossible to say. Uh, and then, uh, Doughboys is only available on the HeadGum, you know, streaming service or whatever it is, and all these different networks are going to have their own thing. Stitcher kind of even is that already for Earwolf stuff at the end of the day, and Stitcher just got bought by SiriusXM like super recently. So it's happening, baby. Yeah. Things are dividing and being conquered. But yeah. those are the facts that I have for you on podcasts, Ian. I, I like that. I like that we ended with a with a scary uh, things are consolidating like uh, notes. <laughs> That is the scariest thing you can say is things are consolidating. Yeah. So shout out, chuck up the deuces for that one. But Ian, I think it's time we actually dig in to what you brought to me and the folks at home specifically today. Are you ready to dive into the shows? I'm ready. Holy shit. He's fucking ready. You guys can't see this, but he just, he put, um, what is it? Eye black under his eyes, like baseball players. And he's got a big fucking wad of bubble gum. Hey, can you fucking spit that out, dude? We're trying to do a podcast. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah, you're good, buddy. I didn't tell you not to do that. I'm sorry. I should, I listen, it's at this point. It's fucking my fault. (sighs) All right. First show that we got on the docket here that you brought me in and you said order was important. Yes. Is that still the case? That's still the case. Yeah. Okay. First show we're talking about today is, uh, yeah, dude. That's how I say it. How do you, how do you say it in your mind? I just say, uh, yeah, dude. Or UID. <laughs> UID. Okay. UID kind of sounds like the next level of an IUD, mm-hmm. um, which I don't have. Hey, okay. <laughs> I'll be the first one to say it. I don't have an IUD, but I do have a UID because I listened to this show, this episode that you sent to me for this podcast how did you arrive on picking uh yeah dude for the show uh this is one of the first podcasts i ever listened to period um this was like a high school podcast for me i could not tell you how i got into it i don't know if it was one of those things where like i read a list of like here's the best podcast to listen to or mm-hmm. if it was just like on the front page of the of the like comedy section of sure. iTunes, but I started listening to it, and I have kept listening to it since basically. So you are you are a devotee to UYD. I'm a devotee. I've never seen them live, so I don't. I'm not like a diehard fan, but I do own merch, and I do really listen regularly. What merch do you own? I own a t-shirt that says um, seat belts on it. What is that in reference to? I'm still a noob when it comes to uh, Yeah Dude. So what is seat belts in reference to? Typically, their closing tag like for the episode, what they'll say before they like sign off or whatever is seat belts. And it's kind of like, uh, it's like, you know, look out, Be like here's looking thing. out, you know, like stay safe, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you, Seth and John, for saying asking your asking your listeners to stay safe in that regard. Um, what do you think makes a yeah dude stand out? Why do you think that it's continued to have success? And what do you think in your head makes it stand out from another two white guys talking and riffing comedy podcast? Uh, f- 
for me, it is that core relationship between the two hosts. Um, they have like such a, I mean, it's they've been podcasting since 2006. So they've known yeah. each other for a long time. Um, and their relationship has evolved over time too. And I think that's something you can only get with the amount of time that <laughs> they've been podcasting together. You know, like sure. they, they started out friends, but then they've had like, there's been times when they're like not as friendly anymore. Wow. Um, okay. They've had like more of like a mentor mentee relationship. Cause Seth is older than Jonathan and uh, both of them, like Jonathan has been sober for some part of his life and then stopped being mm-hmm. sober. And then like Seth helped him become sober again. Oh, wow. Um, so they have like a very like close, intimate relationship, I would say. Um, Damn. And I think you feel that listening to the show. I don't know if it came across in this episode. I just wanted to pick one that was super old, super old. Cause I figured let's go back as far as we can on iTunes or whatever. Um, sure. Because the, their old stuff is like that Stitcher Premium thing. Like, you have to subscribe to their Patreon to get like the super old stuff. Um, yeah, but yeah, well, I, I think it's because, that core dynamic. Well, it's interesting because I literally I listened to this episode on the iTunes link that you sent me, but I was curious because I knew that they had been I had found out that they may have been podcasting since 2006, which. A, let's just briefly touch on the fact that they've been doing this since 2006 because that's 14 years is a long fucking time to yeah. do anything. Of seeing uh, each other every week. <laughs> yeah. For 14 fucking years. Not only is that a long time to do anything, that there's no way that was lucrative for them in as far as like a career sense. Not you know? until recently. At I, the very beginning. Yeah. No, for years, like, uh, for probably, I mean, I think it's only become like super, like this is a career for them in the last like five or six years. Totally. So the last like third of their podcasting career has been, this is our job now. We'll get, I'll play guess the Patreon total with you at the very end when we, when we, uh, reach the end of talking about, uh, Seth and Jonathan of, uh, yeah, dude, but to do something since I'm going to say basically since the beginning. It is, you know, not exactly the beginning, but for all intents and purposes on the big grand scale, they've been podcasting since the beginning to maintain that working relationship at minimum, but seemingly that friendship, whether it be through ups and downs, that is just an amazing human testament to two men documenting their friendship, which is, I don't know, that's pretty noble in a way, I feel. Yeah, and I I think... Like, whether or not I think, like, an individual episode is funny or whatever, I think that's still what I'm taking away as, like, oh, I- I've known these guys in a way for so long, and uh, I've seen their relationship change over time. And the only other way you really experience that is with your real-life family and friends. So, I don't know. They felt like a positive version of the parasocial relationship thing we were talking about earlier. Totally. Yeah. The And it's interesting because you had sent me – this is ep- the episode we're talking about is episode 618, December 5th, 2017. I checked on my Stitcher to see if I could listen to it on Stitcher instead. Do you know what the oldest available episode on Stitcher is, Ian, for me? No. What is it? 
episode 619, (laughs) which was fucked up of you to choose episode 618, but, you know, we made it work. I I, I bared with you and listened to it on the iTunes one even still, so uh, you're welcome, essentially. Thank you. Yeah, no problem, dude. You owe me big time for that. (laughs) But um, you, you picked this episode just because it was one of the oldest available episodes, had you been, had you heard this episode, I guess, prior to them? Did you pick, like, did this episode, I guess, stand out to you specifically in any way? And you were like, oh, well, not only is it one of the oldest available, but I like this thing and this thing and this thing about it. Like, talk to me about specifically the episode that you picked. So there's like a commonly accepted uh, opinion among fans, at least from what I've seen online, that like the 2016 to 2017 years were like a real high spot for the show in a way sure um in terms of like bits and topics they discussed but also just like what was going on in the world and in their lives you know right um so that's kind of like the area beyond like age that's kind of like the area i was trying to land us in um but usually december episodes are fun because like you know holidays are coming up there's usually some annoying thing to talk about in regards to that Hell yeah. No, I think that, that I think that's interesting as well because 2016 and 2016 was a very tumultuous year for a lot of different reasons uh, in this country, capping it off with the fact that Trump won the presidency uh, and is, you know, who, that might be a crazy thing to say based on when this episode, <laughs> this episode specifically drops, you know, but, uh, you know, and then in 2017, it's sort of the fallout from that. How do we deal with the fact that this guy is our president And this episode comes out early December of that year. So he's basically been president for a year almost at this point. You can kind of hear the stress of that in these guys' lives. I mean, among other stresses in their lives. But it really does feel like two friends just venting to each other, which can be interesting to listen to or can be absolutely horrific and, like, non-listenable in any way. But they found a way to do it so that it is interesting and they found a way to do it so that it doesn't feel laborious. I guess when you listen to their, this show, what are you feeling and thinking on a normal episode, an episode that's working for you? Like, what is it about it specifically? I'm thinking, uh, the moments I always enjoy are the moments like, this is a real weird, (laughs) this is really weird. Um, they're the moments when I know Seth is going to say something that will make Jonathan laugh where I can tell like the path he's going down is going to crack him up. And that's, I mean, like I said, that's like a weird idea that like, I am having fun knowing that somebody else is having fun or whatever. Sure. Um, but that's usually what I look forward to is like, I know there's usually, usually each moment has a moment, like episode has a moment where Seth is going to say something that's going to kill Jonathan um and i don't it's been a while since i listened to this episode so i don't remember if there's like a specific moment in this one um but i remember this december area having a couple good like we have to stop moments (laughs) (laughs) the 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 moments to me that stand out as a first time listener of this not only this episode but of this podcast uh two moments really stood out to me one happens at the very 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 end of the episode like literally i think it's the last thing that they talk about and I believe it's Seth talking, telling Jonathan this. Seth seems to be the more 
gregarious one yeah. of the group. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you should watch the video versions. They started recording these on video as well. Um, okay. And basically, Seth stands the whole time, and Jonathan sits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seems like a perfect sort of visualization of their relationship almost Uh at least in this episode specifically because jonathan feels a little bit more like laid back you know like just like sort of absorbing it all and seth sort of feels like the guy shoveling coal into the train (laughs) to make it run Uh down the track bursting ahead but it still felt relatively chill and that was the interesting thing is even when seth did get sort of ramped up it still had this sort of laid back vibe to it you know and i think that's also something unique about podcasts is that it really can take on like a I'm chilling with my friends sort of vibe that TV really can't replicate in the same way. Film can't really replicate in the same way a lot of the time. I mean, obviously things like Dazed and Confused have been, you know, titled Hangout movies and stuff like that. But podcasting really seems to be able to do it consistently and seems to be like a, a hallmark of some podcasting. And that's sort of how I felt the entire time listening to this. I'm like, this is mainly just sort of chill and occasionally you're going to get some big laugh moments or some moments that are like genuinely like eye cat ear catching, I guess in this uh, case, is that fair to say? I think so. Yeah. And I think their format lends itself to that as well, that it is just a conversation. They, they have some bits that they've done over the years, um, but they typically don't come back to them often. Usually like the main thing is like, here's an article, here's a headline or something that I right. read or experienced and we'll talk about it and like riff on it or whatever. Um, so it's like a combination of that kind of just purely conversational thing. Plus the fact that like each episode ends with a full or each episode begins with a song and ends with a song. Like it's a very like smooth transition into listening and leaving listening kind of thing. That's that's another like thing is when I first started listening to this episode, it was literally like a three and a half minute. Yeah, it's like almost the intro. whole song. Yeah, and I was just like, "God damn it, Ian! <laughs> I, I don't want to listen to a podcast that is a three and a half minute intro." I mean, Doughboys, one of my favorite podcasts. Nick Weiger will do like those long, fucking winded transcripts of the history of the chain. But I mean, that's part of the show to a certain extent. This was literally just an intro song, and I was like, "God damn it! <laughs> like, I don't want to listen to that." But I, then I realized, oh, this is like their thing. Part of the And vibe. it's different every time, yeah. right? Yeah, it is. It's different every time. Jonathan is a musician and I think for a long okay. time worked at like a guitar center or like a, a music store. Um, so he's the one who's like selecting those tracks for each episode. And Jonathan, did you know that he is the son of like not royalty, I guess, but like. He is Jonathan Larroquette Jr., basically. Yeah, he's like a Hollywood uh, brat. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And I didn't know. I was like, oh, his name's John Larroquette. I wonder if that has any relation to John Larroquette, which I'm not kidding you, Ian. I will show this to you. I don't know if it's going to come across on Zoom, but my folder on my <laughs> phone is named John Larroquette. Or Can you, you confirm fan? that for the <laughs> listeners? Uh-huh. Wow, that's yes. I, I can confirm, listeners. It does say John Larroquette on his phone. I don't know if I'm a fan per se, but on, on my phone, I have just named every folder after a notable person. Mm. I think I don't know if there's any relation. Like this one is titled Gerald Ford, <laughs> and this one is titled Dana White, who okay. is the president of UFC, <laughs> and this one is titled. 
Ringo Starr, you know? So they're just people. I don't know. It's like means nothing. And John Larroquette is one of the only ones where I changed it to be John Larroquette. I think it used to be Barry Goldwater, who was like a shitty Republican senator from Florida, like in the 60s or whatever. So I changed it from Barry Goldwater to John Larroquette, maybe like a year ago or something like that. It makes sense to do an actor though, right? Because that's like your folder for like media, like watching things, right? That's very true. I don't know if that was a conscious thing. Yeah, this is where I have like Hulu and Netflix and like Disney Plus and stuff like that. Um, It's very, that's, you're crushing it with these astute observations about things that I've never (laughs) once thought about in my entire life. So thank you for doing that for me. Yeah, of course. That's what I'm here for. Um, Good. Thank fucking God. Um, The podcast, uh, yeah, dude, has been described as a weekly roundup of America through the eyes of two American Americans. What does that mean, Ian, in your mind? Uh, In my mind, that's them owning their kind of uh, white bread, white dude-ness, you know? The like sure just being very upfront about that. yeah like yes they're going to cover a wide range of topics but they come from a very sp- specific uh perspective sure and that's int- and i guess i never fully followed up on what my point originally was but the two moments of this episode specifically that stand out to me are at the very very end seth says something to the effect of there is too much to choose from on netflix <laughs> like something to that uh-huh. effect like there is too, there are too many options and i just felt that in my core because if i don't go in with a game plan of this is what i'm going to watch tonight i will sit there scrolling through it doesn't matter disney plus prime hulu whatever i'll i'll never figure it out i'll spend the entire night scrolling through and not end up watching something and then probably watch i think you should leave you know for the 60th time uh-huh. or whatever it is so that really stood out to me as just like so almost like a prescient thing because this is late 2017. You and I are talking in late 2020. Even more of a problem now. I was going to say it got worse. Yeah, it got worse. Do you find yourself doing that, or and if you do, what do you usually find yourself freaking out about as far as like choosing things? Oh, uh, I have I have a lot of choice paralysis. I would say. Um... What's weird is I enjoy making plans and I like making lists. So like I have a list on my phone of like, here's the movies you said you wanted to watch. And like, same, you said this week you were going to do this or play this or watch this or whatever. And then when the moment comes and I'm like, do I, do I still want to like, I should look at the other options, right? I should weigh my options. And then, yeah, I end up watching the menu like you described rather than watching the movie or the show. (laughs) Ian, you and I are cut from the same fucking cloth when it comes to that. I have a a list just either on Letterboxd of movies that I would like to watch in the near future or games that I have that I want to play or series that I'm interested in. And I will just pull my hair out because I'm like, oh, I should pick something that's not on any of these lists. And it pisses me the fuck off. So thank you for being cut from the same cloth as me on that one. That makes me feel less alone in the world. Of course. Yeah. And I... And I feel bad about it because sometimes the solution in that scenario is to watch something you don't actually want to watch. And that's like exactly. the reality TV thing or whatever, you know, that's how I exactly. end up watching below deck or whatever is I, I couldn't choose the the thing I should watch. And I, and I end up watching the thing that I don't really want to watch. It's the thing that you don't really want to watch, but it's the thing, you know, will 
be okay. Yeah. It's passable. Yeah. It's satisfying enough. There's a structure or something to the episode. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's media I can consume and then just fucking forget about instantaneously. Right. You're making you feel like you've accomplished watching something <laughs> by actually having it on. He did it. His eyes um, were open. His eyes were open. His pulse was fucking pounding a million miles a minute. Um, so that was one thing that I really liked because it felt prescient about them talking about choice paralysis. And then they also talk about, I don't know if you remember this, there's that whole section where they talk about the note on his car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that was being left by supposedly the drunk mom or whatever it was. Mm. That was just a moment where I just felt like you're just listening to these guys really just catch each other up on what's been going on in their lives. And that was like a genuine story that he had. And he really wanted to tell Jonathan about, I just thought that moment that kind of encapsulates what I think the best possible moments of that show are. I'll tell you too. It was like a weird experience for me to listen to this show, like living in orange County or whatever, and going to college in orange County and then moving to LA and they're like two LA guys. And like a lot of the stupid anecdotes are just like, and I went to get coffee or I went to move my car, like that kind of thing. Um, so it was a very surreal experience to like live in LA and drive by the places that they <laughs> mentioned. Like I know they're real places, obviously, because they're real people. Um, but it did have that feeling of like, I'm in a fictional world. <laughs> I'm in this world I've ho- heard so much about on a podcast called Los Angeles, California. Yeah. And it's freaking me the fuck out because that place only exists in my mind and now it exists in real life. That's interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, I feel like that's if you're not from LA and they're talking about those things, it's got to feel made up almost to a certain degree. Cause you just have no basis for it. Also LA is weird. Like there are weird aspects yeah. to living in Los Angeles. So absolutely. I mean, having to move your car for street cleaning fucking sucks. Yeah, that <laughs> really sucks. You know, it does. And there aren't they starting? I mean, I'm not currently in LA as I think I've mentioned on this podcast uh, right now, but aren't they starting to like bring back ticketing for that shit? And because, because of COVID they stopped it, but now they're bringing it back. Yeah. Right? Cause you know, the pandemic ended, so people are leaving the house right. now and it's, everything's fine. So I do remember that the pandemic ended because Trump ended it. So congratulations to the United States on that one. Yeah. I'm glad that happened. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad. I'm all, I'm also glad we figured it out finally, and we're not, you know, in the fucking throes of it now. Yeah. And Ian, now comes the game that we will be playing with this one and the last show that we'll be talking about, which is how much do you think they pull in off Patreon per month? Ian, how much do you think? Uh, 15,000. Final answer? Yes. You've locked it in. Ian, you're close, actually. Okay. But you are you're you do not get the cigar. You're close, but no cigar. I'm okay. sorry to say. The actual figure, and this is as of 10 2020. $12,056 per month. But when you're only at one dollar base for your Patreon. You can obviously give more per month. Yeah. $1 is the minimum. Most people, I have to assume, are giving $1 because that's all that they are being required to charge. That is, in theory, 12,000 people giving $1 a month so that they can have the back catalog. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. That's staggering. It is. It's not a huge number as far as like what some podcasts pull in, but just based on the fact that their base tier is $1, 
that's amazing just to think about. Yeah. You, I mean, that's crazy. Have you heard of the concept of a hundred true fans? No. Talk to me about There's that. There's this idea that I've seen. Um, I forget who like wrote this manifesto originally, but there's this idea that like for an artist or any kind of person who's creative, all you need is a hundred true fans who will, you know, consume whatever you make, buy whatever you sell, um, and are just like committed to your project or like whatever your sure. style of work is. Um, and if you have those hundred true fans, all you would need to do is charge them, you know, 10 bucks a month or whatever, or 10 bucks per piece of art that you make. And you'd probably have enough money to more than enough money to live, you know? Um, That's a good point. And I think their Patreon kind of illustrates, you know, for only charging a dollar, they theoretically have like, 1200 true fans um which is you know staggering because there's lots of podcasts who have more listeners but probably not as many podcasts that have consistent listeners that's true and i mean if you've been there with the beginning that's 14 years of following these guys you know and i'm sure that it's the it only multiplies because the more you get into their current stuff and you've already exhausted that back catalog the more you'll be like, oh, well, fuck it. I'll pay a dollar to, uh, you know, a month to listen to episodes from 2006. I don't know if I've ever heard a podcast from like pre 2014. Or that's not true because pre, one of the like iPhones, pre smartphones. Yeah. That's true. I don't know if I ever have. So I wonder what that would fucking sound like. Probably just insane as far as, you know, the standards that we're used to. But. Uh, Ian, is there anything else you need us you need us to know or want to say about a uh, yeah dude before we move on? I would say like if you are listening to us talk about podcasts and you're interested in picking up a new one, this is like a super easy light lift one to just try, like put on and listen to. And you you know whether you like it or not, you're consuming a little bit of podcasting history. So I think it's worthwhile That's true. to try. It's very true. Yeah. It is considered to be the first comedy podcast by a lot of people. Yeah. So it's worth it. If you're a podcast aficionado and you don't know about Oh Yeah Dude or haven't listened, I'm going to second that. It's worth listening to, if not just one episode to say, I have experienced Seth and John. Yeah. Is that fair? I think so. Well, now we're going to move on to... I Dude, I have a lot to say <laughs> about... This podcast, um, the second podcast of the three is Comedy Bang Bang. Why did you pick Comedy Bang Bang, Ian? Uh, similar to Oh Yeah Dude, this was like a very early discovery for me. Um, and in particular, I think this is like my first experience of improv, like professional improv. Because there was like improv sure. Olympics at my high school, um, or comedy sports rather, Um so I had seen those shows, but like to hear like people who did it for, as adults um, was kind of staggering <laughs> for me. Um, yeah, I think that's probably why. And it's fine. I don't know. There's more good episodes of Comedy Bang Bang than there are bad episodes, I would say. So sure. At least in my memory. Another example. Another example of a podcast that has been fucking going for years. They are 11 years into doing it was originally called Comedy Death Ray, which we'll talk about it here in a little bit. But this is year 11 of Comedy Bang Bang as we know it. So Scott Ackerman is probably, he's a little probably improv out, as he <laughs> might so, say. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, it's interesting. I, I might, I kind of want to talk candidly about Scott when we actually uh, get into the show specifically, but besides the fact that this is one of the first that you discovered, do you remember how you came across comedy bang bang or was it just sort of the same as uh, yeah dude where it just sort of came across your dashboard one day i think this is one that was recommended to me um it might have even been from an av club list um sure there was a while where they were really consistent with their um podcast coverage i think pod mass is like the name of the um column that they write for like reviewing podcast episodes and i think i i think i got into comedy bang bang the first time through that gotcha okay so literally it was a journalistic recommendation right, of like this is a podcast to listen this to. is important yeah this this is important this is fucking newsworthy <laughs> you guys um what do you think it is about comedy bang bang that makes it stand out from other podcasts there's a lot of improv podcasts now yeah. what do you think makes cbb stand out um i i wouldn't say it's like specifically the talent but it's rather that uh people come back <laughs> characters come back over time and it really builds in uh, like a long-term way that I appreciate. That can happen in like long-form improv or whatever, like just watching a show. Um, right. But it feels totally different in a podcast, I feel like, that you're listening to over the course of weeks and months and years, you know? Totally. You get people coming back and, you know, it could be a character you love and you're like, oh, yes, I get to hear, you know, whoever i get to hear gino the intern again yeah. you know thank god or it could be a character you absolutely fucking despise and you're like well guess i'm not listening to comedy <laughs> bang bang this week or or for the next two years in some <laughs> cases yeah. uh so yeah very interesting there why this episode in particular this is episode 148 from march 11th 2012 with jason manzoukas and andy daly why this episode in particular um to me this episode is kind of iconic you're getting a a a good combination of things working at like multiple levels so just like in terms of the dudes in attendance um generally i'm a jason manzoukas fan he gets on my nerves now i think i've tired a little bit of his shtick but at the time when i first heard this episode i was like who is this who is this guy um, he's right. he's speaking directly to me in a way, um, and I felt similarly about Andy Daly. This was like my first introduction to him. I had seen Jason Manzukis and other stuff, um, but uh, Andy Daly is like uh, I don't know. He feels like a savant to me in some ways, in terms of um, specifically like building character. Um, yes, and I yeah, this episode I think is a great example of that both in the specific character that he brings, but then also how the episode concludes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, Ian, when you told me you wanted to bring on Comedy Bang Bang, um, kind of just lit me up <laughs> in the most like general sense because this show was, for all intents and purposes, it wasn't the first podcast I ever heard. I had heard other podcasts before. This is the first one that mattered to me. This was the first podcast that I truly felt invested in. I truly felt like I excited to listen to Comedy Bang Bang. And it helps because it is a comedy podcast that there's lots of clips on YouTube of characters and bits specifically. And that's what was my real intro to it is I would just sit in my room lying on my bed Uh 
listening to bits off YouTube from Comedy Bang Bang, just discovering new comedians. It you you not only did you get to hear, I would actually argue it is the talent that is part of what makes Comedy Bang Bang so special because they truly do get some of the best guests to come on that show. Yeah. You don't get John Gabris, you know, to go on any any podcast, you know. It's got to be one that he feels like he can actually do something with. And he's been on Comedy Bang Bang more times than I can count. Uh, you know, you get some really high level people doing it. And it also is a way for people to discover more comedians. You might know who Andy Daly is like in your subconscious, but you might not really fully understand who he is or what he looks like or really give a shit about him. But when you hear him do Chip Gardner, Dalton Wilcox, Shooter the LA Comedian, you know, Gil and Golly or whatever their names are, you know, you hear him come back. Dom DeMillo is one of the most classic comedy bang bang characters of all time. It becomes exciting to be like, what are they going to do? You become invested in what these people are going to do next, both as a performer and as a character. Oh my God, Dalton Wilcox was so funny the first time I heard him. How is he going to top it this time? It's like a high wire act. It's fucking amazing to a certain point. (laughs) Do do you know what I mean? Like to a certain point, I don't know, at least personally, I fell off the fucking table completely with comedy bang bang about a year year and a half ago and so you bringing it back onto the podcast feels like a homecoming for me Mm. personally diving back in to comedy bang bang after basically just leaving it discovering more podcasts that i like more but it really will always have a special place in my heart as like this is the first podcast that i cared about and the first podcast that i actually felt excited about I don't know, man. When you said you wanted to bring it on, I had a whole range of emotions fly through my head yeah. and my heart. Does any of that, you know, resonate with you at all? Yeah, I connect to that somewhat. I I think there was a while where this was like the funniest this podcast was the funniest thing I would experience like yes. in a month or like in that week or whatever. Um yes. funnier than anything in my real life and funnier than any other like content I was consuming, you know, like I was watching a lot of network TV in high school, um, big on NBC okay. Thursday nights, but uh, this oh was my God. typically what funnier was the NBC than that. Thursday night lineup. Oh yeah, what was the NBC Thursday night lineup that you were that you were clawing after back then? So the golden years, there you had Community, <laughs> you had yes. um, I believe it was The Office next, and then you had Thirty Rock closing it out. I might have those switched out, okay. but you had those three all on Thursday night, and. Um, that was just a killer for me because three different types of comedies and uh, all of them more or less equally funny to me, at least for a while. Sure. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to think that even anyone today would be watching a network for an actual TV show that wasn't news coverage. It's just crazy to think how fucking crazy things have changed even in such a short oh, time. Oh, when I had but, a DVR, uh, I was so excited to use the DVR to record all my shows. That was like a very big yes. thing for me was when I was allowed to use the DVR or like I learned how the TV works, I guess. Um, <laughs> when your parents unlocked you from whatever cage they were in like, and they were like, you're, go- you're going to learn how to use the DVR, son. <laughs> you know, know. Like, like this is something is this? that is going to happen. Yeah, You're so scared of it, but... Um, yeah, man, the just the the joy of knowing that Comedy Bang Bang was going to be 
in your life, and you just could not wait to get to that episode of that week. It truly is one of the best experiences, I think, of just just waiting for it to come out, and then it coming out, and either being so disappointed that you don't know who anybody on the episode is, or somebody that you don't care about, or saying, fuck it, I need this in my veins, and just listening to it anyway. And it's interesting to think about who has sort of gone through the hallowed halls of Comedy Bang Bang that you wouldn't think because they are such huge stars, but Thomas Middleditch used to fucking roll through Comedy Bang Bang. Ben Schwartz used to roll through Comedy Bang Bang. Horatio Sands goes on to Comedy Bang Bang, you know, every once in a while. You know, you get these titans that come through. Conan O'Brien has been on Comedy Bang Bang. I was thinking of Lauren Lapkus, too, who was in a, wasn't she in a Sandler movie recently? She was in the wrong Missy okay. with David Spade. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, pretty bad. <laughs> just, I didn't watch I it. Say. I was like, I like you, but not enough to do this. She is doing so much in that movie. I love her too, and that's how I was introduced to her as well, was through Comedy Bang Bang. Have you ever actually gone and listened to Freedom at all? Yes. Mm-hmm. I enjoy Freedom. What do you think about Freedom? That's a good comedy. Okay. Like, that's some of the best people from Comedy Bang Bang hanging out. Just chilling, yeah, having fun. Yeah. They are. They literally are because they're not doing characters, really. They're just kind of trying to make each other laugh as people, which is nice as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. There was just there was just a sort of wall that I hit uh, like a year ago, probably, maybe a year and a half ago, where I just, I just kind of got sick and tired of Scott, to be honest with you. I kind of got sick of Scott's shtick, both his shtick and his shit. Like, he kind of just felt grumpy and like not really into it in a way that he really does feel into it in this episode specifically with Jason Manzukis and Andy Daly. Like it feel he feels younger, which yeah. I know he is, but he feels younger in the episode as well. I don't know if that means anything to you, but it means a lot to me. I think this episode gets out of control a lot faster than some other ones do too, which might be why like yeah. he was maybe a little caught off guard by um how quickly it starts getting wild. Um, but I, I've definitely felt that. Because, like, his shtick is sort of a straight man. I mean, it kind of depends. Like, sometimes he's, like, the normal guy. Um, other times, right. you know, he has his weird <laughs> proclivities um, that'll come <laughs> up or whatever yes. that are, like, recurring, you know? Um, and sometimes being a grouch is part of it. But you can tell when it's a thing he's putting on versus, like, this man is actually a little tired of doing this. I think I think he is tired of doing it. And I don't know if he knows how to stop doing it, which is kind of a scary position to be in because he's an older guy. He's, he's like born in like 1969, 1970. You know, he was, he had a career as a writer prior to this. He was known for doing Mr. Show with Bob and Dave. Um, That was like what he was mainly known for. I think prior to comedy bang bang. And so he just knows everyone. You know, and everyone wants to come on Comedy Bang Bang. And so it's a very interesting situation, this show uh, is. It's gotten, it's just a very, it's just, it's just crawled into my life in such interesting ways. And I've had to boot it out, uh, so to speak, because I just am sick and tired. Get the fuck out of here, Scott Ackerman, you dumb piece of shit. Um, This episode in particular, though, is Andy Daly doing one of his most famous characters, Dalton Wilcox. What is it about Dalton that you like so much? Um, I think there's a lot of, like, hat-on-hat moments with this character. 
in the sense that like he's yes. a cowboy, which is like okay, sure, he's gonna do a western voice or whatever. Um, he's a monster <laughs> hunter, which is also <laughs> an element. Um, <laughs> and then he's also like a a poet laureate. Like there's all these aspects of this character that could be, I think, enough to build out a episode in their own right. Um, but they're all being combined in um, an increasingly like horrifying way as you kind of realize what this character's actual deal is um, in terms of being like a, a killer. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And this is the first appearance ever of this character of yeah. Dalton Wilcox, who is probably one of Andy Daly's most famous characters, I think is part of the Andy Daly podcast project. Yeah. I think that they, they gave Dalton his own pilot, so to speak. And he might even have, like his own podcast now. I don't quote me on that, but Dalton might have his own podcast. There is a Bonanza podcast, I believe, where he goes through episodes of Bonanza. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Honestly, amen. We need more shit like that in the world. Yeah. Ian, is there anything else you want to say about Comedy Bang Bang before we jump into our last podcast of the episode? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think you should listen to this episode that I recommended. What is the exact title of this episode? I don't remember. I believe it's called Wipeout. Yeah, it's not available on like a podcast app unless you're uh, doing the Earwolf one or is it on Stitcher Premium? Yeah, because they have all of them and it's ad free. So if you have Stitcher Premium, it's available there, but it's on YouTube, right? Yeah, so you could listen to the YouTube rip. I think like if you never listen to the show, try this episode. I think it's very funny separate from any feelings you have about improv or the premise of the show. Yeah, Andy Daly is a amazing toe-in-the-water guy for this because he's just genuinely very funny outside of anything else. Yeah, and if you are not interested in the podcast, I would recommend Review, which is an excellent show that he stars in, and uh, it should have gotten more episodes, I would say. Agreed. And on the second episode of this podcast, Rocky and I spent the beginning part of the episode talking about Review and Andy Daly. We ended up talking about it for way longer than we should have. So everything's fucking coming together, Ian. We're yeah. all we're making threads tie up with other threads. If Damn, this was the finale it. like the of your cinema. podcast. <laughs> There'd be a lot of threads fucking coming together right the now. God forbid it's not the finale yeah. of my fucking podcast. God forbid. Um, I think that's it as far as uh, we need to talk about Comedy Bang Bang. We still have one more fucking episode to talk about. Are you ready to dive in? I'm ready. Last podcast on the docket uh, as far as Ian's favorite podcasts are concerned is one that I kept calling the wrong name to myself. I kept calling it The Restless Picnic, but is actually called The Relentless Picnic. We are talking about the episode that aired on February 20, or excuse me, February 14th. 2018 valentine's day of 2018 ian how the fuck would you describe the relentless picnic to someone who's never heard it before like many podcasts it is a number of men talking to each other yes that is very true i would say something that's distinct about this podcast is where some podcasts are going for that kind of like casual hangout vibe i think there is a real commitment among these guys um to have a, a a conversation that is important and meaningful and um, rigorous to a certain extent, and they joke and they have fun or whatever, but uh, their like philosophy is being applied basically in their conversations with each other, and um, the show, the Relentless Picnic, started as like a 
we're going to talk about politics because Trump was elected president, but very quickly right. became not about that at all and just about a topic of interest or a particularly meaningful idea. Um, and I think they've been all the better for that. And speaking of meaningful ideas, I mean, this episode that we're specifically covering is all about relationships, both platonic and romantic. And I was not prepared for how uncomfortable at times the conversation gets surrounding the true feelings that exist about relationships. And although it's about relationships with other people at its core, it really kind of is about your relationship with yourself and how that manifests in your relationships with other people, which I thought was really kind of genius on their regard, always finding a way to make it about that. I don't know if that was sort of your like, Oh, that's my head fake for this episode is that ultimately it actually is about the relationship with yourself. But what is, how would you describe this episode to someone who had never heard the the relentless picnic before either? Um, how would I describe it? Sometimes I lead with the, um, Sometimes I lead with the Philip Seymour Hoffman anecdote that they get into because I really do think that is like a beautiful, I don't know, they're thinking, but specifically what Philip Seymour Hoffman's wife shares and the little thing that they read um, feels like a really beautiful idea of a relationship that's strained for very specific reasons, obviously, that are very personal to one of the people in the relationship. Um, So sometimes I lead with that. Because I'm like, everyone likes Philip Seymour Hoffman. They talk about him in a nice way in this episode. Maybe that's a good end for for people. Um, But other times I'm like, hey, do you ever have like fucked up feelings about uh, your friends and how you relate to them? And like whether or not they like you or you (laughs) like them, that kind of thing. You should listen to this. I feel like they dig into it in 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 a good way that might leave you with a framework to think about it. Yeah, it, I mean, it, these are genuinely thoughtful guys. Like, whether you think they're smart or not is kind of a different, you know, conversation. But I don't think you can walk away from this episode without thinking, man, these are very thoughtful men who clearly are comfortable enough with each other to dig deep on a subject, which you just genuinely don't get very much. That's a very rare sort of dynamic to unlock, so to speak. And so that really scratches a very particular itch. And unlike a uh, yeah, dude and comedy bang, bang, there's very few episodes of this podcast. This is a very limited compact thing. And they've only recently come back, right? They've sort of come back as the cabin or they're doing a mini series called cabin. Have you at all tuned into cabin to see what, it, how it's different? Like talk a little bit about that. I have. Yeah. They're doing a mini series that is, uh, about, um, well, it's sort of about America and they recorded a lot of it during, uh, right before the pandemic. And then during like those first early, um, months of the pandemic, so it has a very particular vibe that I would say is different from a lot of their episodes. Um, sure. It feels a lot more serious, which is, I mean, the show is already serious to a certain extent, but it feels a lot, there's a lot of gravity to what they're discussing, talking about like sure. ideas of self-reliance and um, particular like American fascinations, both with like assassins and um, 
living in the woods, like living on your own, so to speak, um, and how sure. those might be related to each other. Um, I've enjoyed it, but I will say that I like their kind of standalone episodes just about one individual topic better than this ongoing miniseries. This also seems like the most Ian of any of the three that we've talked about. Like, this very much feels like a part of you in a way, at least my understanding of you as a man, more so than Comedy Bang Bang or, oh, uh, yeah, dude. I'm like, wow, this this feels like this is important to Ian. Would you say that this podcast is important to you in that way then? I would say it's important to me. Um, the circumstances in which I started listening to it and then also just my experience with the podcast itself. It's been like an inspiration in terms of like my own work and my own ideas. Like, oh, if I were to make a podcast, it would be like this. Um, right. But, but also just like my thinking about the world, you know, and like certain ideas in the world, basically. Well, then how did you come across The Relentless Picnic? Because A, it's got an insane name. Like that name is just bonkers. How did you come across this thing? Was it you know, recommended to you? Did you find it on a list or was it just sort of happenstance that it came across your desk? So I was at Sundance one year and uh, this was a year where I was on my own. There wasn't, um, I didn't have any friends with me. I was staying with my aunt and I was doing the merry-go-round thing, like seeing movies and writing about them or whatever. Sure. And I was walking back late one night from a screening and I usually like to listen to music or podcasts and it's especially nice when it's snowing and that happens. Like, it feels very, like, I'm in a movie. <laughs> um, right, exactly. So I'm doing that, and I get a text from someone we both know, um, Jimmy Evans. And he's like, "Shout out! have you ever listened to this? Or did you send this to me first? Um, and it was an episode of the show. And I started listening to it. And I was immediately like, okay, this isn't like any podcast I had listened to up until this point. Um, right. And I quickly text him back, like, this is great you found this. I did not find this. Um, right. And it's been like a great part of Jimmy and I's friendship is enjoying this show together and like talking about what they talk about in the show. Yeah. I definitely can see how there are parts of it that feel a little bit more like Jimmy and parts of it that I feel like feel a little bit more like you, but either way it's that sort of link almost between you guys. And it makes a lot of sense. I know that that might not, mean a lot to maybe some other people who are listening to this, but if they know you, if you know, you know, I think on that one, to be honest with you. Um, why did you choose this episode uh, specifically after any of the episodes you could have picked? I chose this one. There are other episodes that I enjoy just as much, but I chose this one because I know you are a thoughtful guy who has ideas about relationships. And thank you. I thought, the way they present it and the way they get into it would be um, interesting to you. And also I think it's just like an emotional episode. Like, I don't know. I feel it when I'm listening to it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this, 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 there are things that they talk about in this episode that I think I just will come back to. And I think as silly as it is, and maybe as basic as it is, the thing that sort of echoes and reverberates in my mind in this one is when they talk about the difference between there are ex-friends and then there are people who aren't really in your life. And the difference between someone who's an ex-friend and someone who's not really in your life is that an ex-friend, there was a 
definitive ending of the relationship. Whereas someone who's not really in your life, someone is sort of you've lost touch with is someone that you don't dislike that person, or at least you don't think you do. You don't think that they dislike you, but you don't really see them or talk to them. Really. They've sort of faded out of your life. And obviously these guys are a little bit older than us. I think they're probably what in their late twenties, early thirties and making friends in that way. I have to feel like only gets more difficult the older you get because of obligations and just, you know, societal expectations but you know when they said that i'm like oh well no shit of course there's a difference between those two things but it's so simple but i didn't realize it intellectually until they made that distinction where it's like that guy that i used to be friends with who moved to fucking missouri you know i'm not not friends with him but i don't talk to him ever but this guy who was a dick to me and i don't want to be friends with anymore He's an ex-friend. I've broken up with him, you know? Yeah. So that just to me was sort of my biggest like, oh, yeah, there really is a difference. Is there anything in particular in this episode that stands out to you in a similar way that that did for me? Yeah, when I got to that moment, I definitely immediately thought of like, oh, I think I have a list of people that fit into these two categories. Um, yeah. A similar topic that they talk about earlier in the episode that uh, anecdote about like the trash truck driver and the race car driver and the yeah. race car driver going to the race or whatever. And then finding out that in secret, the, you know, the trash truck driver <laughs> has been training and like, is actually like an excellent racer and they're going to race against each other. Um, yeah. That idea of like the, the different contexts that your friendships fit into and what it means to be happy for a friend or to be jealous of a yes. friend um, and how, that does or doesn't show like whether or not you love each other or if you're actually friends, all of that was very, um, I don't know. That was big for me. I listened to this episode before several of my friends moved across the country. Um, sure. And then I listened to it again when that happened. Cause I was like, I need some guidance about what this means. Um, because I really had the feeling right. the, um, catastrophic kind of catastrophe thinking of like, well, this is the end of that relationship. I'm never going to see these people again. We're not going to be friends sure. anymore. What does my life mean now that I've lost these people who are close to me? And I listened to this episode and I'm like, well, <laughs> it's more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a lot of it is on me. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the really sort of shocking thing, I guess, for lack of a better term is it's like, well, the most of our problems stem from ourselves, you know, and that's something I think a lot of people know or at least have heard. But this episode really drives it home and they make some really compelling arguments, I guess, for lack of a better word, that it's like most of the problems that you face on a daily basis stem from your own whatever, you know, whether you want to call it your own ego or your own insecurities or your own whatever. It stems from yourself and they're very not afraid to like disagree with each other, which when you're like first in a relationship with someone, regardless if it's romantic or, you know, platonic, you don't really s jump toward confrontation in that same way. You try and be agreeable. You know, you try and be like, oh yes, absolutely. Even if you don't think that because you want to appear to be someone who's easy to spend time with or whatever. But these guys clearly are okay disagreeing with each other which is nice to hear i think it's nice to hear people with differing perspectives talking about i guess debating for lack of a better term 
a singular issue because there's a difference between debating and attacking. And I don't think they ever attack each other. I think it's all in service of this idea, which is really nice. Yeah, it's a very constructive conversation, even though they do. uh, Yeah, like you said, they do disagree with each other and they do have distinct opinions (laughs) that differ from each other. Yeah, I this is also another show where I think the the friendship dynamic is attractive to me or interesting to me. Um, obviously, there's not that many episodes. So you're not getting like the boyhood-esque experience of seeing this friendship change right. over time. Um, but I will say there is a quasi sequel to this episode that has a lot to do with the state of their friendship two years after this and how it's changed dramatically. Gotcha. Host, okay. So. Maybe you and I, you and I should talk off mic about that episode because I'd like to uh, hear that one. Yeah. But um, I also think that the other thing that's interesting about this podcast specifically, which you, which we haven't really talked about in regards to the other two, is that Eric, Nick, and Adam, the three guys who are the hosts of this show, who I can't distinguish from one another after one listen. That's okay. Um, I will eventually if I keep listening to it, which I kind of want to. I kind of want to dig deep into this one. This was the most surprising one to me of the three. Um, they, I, you would think, I think that they were able to gain steam from this podcast because of Twitter. I think that these were all three guys who had gained somewhat of some traction on Twitter, probably talked to each other and then decided we're going to start a podcast, which is not unlike the most lucrative podcast of our current day, Chapo Trap House, Matt Chrisman, Will Menneker and Felix Bitterman, all, you know, achieving some sort of Twitter celebrity on there, coming together, creating basically the dirtbag left, you know, for all intents and right. purposes and sort of, you know, to- coining that and being all about that. But these guys range from having like 1,500 followers to 11,000 followers on Twitter. And so it just goes to show you that, like, although Twitter is made up and a bunch of fucking bullshit ultimately at the end of the day, there is some currency that you can have, like, a little career because of your clout online. And you can turn that into something. And that kind of weirdly is the American dream in some ways, is to get noticed online and then to be able to turn your notoriety online into something that ultimately does make you some form of money, you know, in the, in the cold, hard cash sense of the word. I don't know. It's just interesting to me that that is a thing that people do now. That's basically what yeah, but still was Brandon and Jack, you know, had thousands and thousands of followers. They were friends and now they have a podcast and have more followers and they just keep sort of exponentially growing. I don't know. It's just the other way to do it, I guess now because of the internet. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think so. You can really combine forces in a way that is uh, impactful (laughs) for the amount of people who listen and, you know, the success of your project and whatnot. Um, I, I don't know if it's good. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like (laughs) influencers getting together. I know that's not necessarily what's going on with these Twitter personalities specifically but i don't know it's not always as meaningful a combination it's meaningful in a number sense i don't think it's always as meaningful in a like the actual product sense sure and again i don't know if it's always inherently one way or the other you know but it is a thing that is possible because of we're living online 
you know, in a lot of ways. We're living online. Like they say in the social network, they first lived on farms, then they lived on cities. Then now we're going to live on Pornhub.com, right. you know, more or less. And uh, I don't know about you, brother, but I'm going back home after this <laughs> if you catch my drift. <laughs> Packing it up, brother. Um, is there anything else that you need to say? I know we were kind of running long on this, so I want to sort of wrap it yeah. up as uh, as we're able to. But is there anything else you really want to drive home about the Relentless Picnic? I don't have any fast facts because there honestly isn't a lot of – information about the show outside of the show itself and that these three guys are semi twitter famous so anything else you want to say to sort of wrap this one up yeah they, they've deliberately maintained a sort of mystique which i think is good I, I i think that's admirable to a certain extent um the only other thing i'd want to note about this episode and i think this show in particular is they do do a lot of work on the production side in terms of like yes mixing up how the audio is presented um this episode in particular has a really interesting like frame narrative, so to speak, of these um, dialogues. They might be text messages uh, between a couple, between two people. And it's not entirely clear if it is one of the hosts in, of the show who's in this conversation or if it's someone they know or just something they found. Um, but the arc of that relationship kind of happens separately to the arc of their conversation in an interesting way and ends in an interesting yeah, way. It's- it's like a little microcosm uh, of their whole sort of conceits and ideas around what they're discussing. Thank you for bringing that up because it's also interesting because you have a yeah dude, which is bare bones production as far as like a DIY sense. And then you have comedy bang bang, which is a professional quote unquote production, but there's very little actual production that goes into it. It's very much about who's speaking. And then you have this, which is DIY but very heavy on the production. And the way that they fused the music in this, in and out, I thought that was so beautiful. And do you know what song it is that they're using in the like production, the little like transition song? Because it drove me crazy, but I ended up figuring it out. I don't know. I might be mixing it up with a different episode, but do they use um, a song from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Or am I thinking of something else? So that is in this episode. Okay. And then the song that they return to more often or not, though, uh, it, it drove me fucking crazy because I knew the song and I knew what it was, but I couldn't figure out the name. So they use that Beck song, Everybody's Gotta Lose Sometimes or whatever it's called, and they twist it into a Rolling Stones song called Moonlight Mile. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I, I'm yeah, now imagining the I, moment. I do remember this. Yeah, yeah, I know you're not. Uh, like the other boys in the group chat. I know you're not a Sopranos guy yet. Uh, oh, Ian, you gotta, gotta, gotta get some, gotta get the fans together to get you to watch that show. But um, that song is used in a very good episode of the Sopranos. And I was like, that's where I've heard it before. So I, it was on the tip of my tongue. I've been listening to it on repeat since two days ago when I listened to the episode. Mwah, chef's kiss. Yes, very important to bring up the production because this episode, I think this show has the most interesting production of the three by a long shot. Yeah, definitely. All right, Ian, we've made it to the end of the show. Oh, you know what? I One more thing. How much do you think that the Relentless Picnic makes off Patreon? I think they make, their Patreon has fluctuated from what I remember because I've definitely subscribed and unsubscribed multiple times. Um, 2,000 bucks. Final answer? Actually, no. Eight fifty. Final answer? Final answer. 
Ian, you should have stuck with, with what was behind door number one. It was two thousand nineteen dollars as of ten twenty nine twenty twenty. So, you sorry, you you don't get the flat screen TV. You get the horse Damn. instead. Well, I, at sorry. least I can ride it out of here, right? Yeah, to that old town road. <laughs> <laughs> if you catch my drift on that, I love old town road. Uh, Ian, thank you so much uh, for coming on this show and talking with me about podcasts on my podcast is there anything you want to plug before we say goodbye to the folks what do i want to plug um well i mean read merry-go-round magazine we always appreciate that yes uh you'll link it i'm sure in the description yes um you can follow me on twitter at soups the name s-o-u-p-s-t-h-e-n-a-m-e I haven't been tweeting yep. a lot recently. Kind of fallen off the wagon. A little scared to tweet now that I'm uh, have a job again. But uh, <laughs> maybe I'll get back into it. We'll see. Um, sure. But otherwise, I would just say stay safe. Keep yourself entertained. Try not to leave the house if you don't have to. Unless you're going for a walk. which is Yes. Nice. Yeah, going for a walk has kind of been a saving grace uh, of this whole pandemic i know in a lot of ways america has sort of just said hey we're just kind of gonna go back to normal you know even though things are worse than they were Before, when we were all yeah. staying inside um but yeah if you're able to stay inside great i know a lot of people aren't so do what you can but uh yeah st- stay inside <laughs> if you can uh yeah you can listen to this uh show on all the major podcast platforms you can listen to us on spotify apple podcast stitcher wherever you get your podcasts you can follow us on twitter at my pod and on instagram at my favorite underscore podcast you can listen to my other podcast it's on the list with noah and mason uh if you want somewhere to start listen to ian's episode where we talked about mixed emotions by tan lines and jonathan demi's 1988 masterpiece married to the mob starring mercedes ruel more than so than anybody uh you'll have to listen to the episode to understand why that is a bit of a joke not really a joke to be honest with you very serious so there's that it yeah it did it was very serious it wasn't even a joke it was serious um you can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts as well. Spotify, Apple, Podcast, Stitcher, all the fun ones. We, I think we'll be back by the time this episode comes out. Mm. I think, yeah, we will be back 100%. What episode will be out then? This will come out on the 12th, I want to say. Yeah, this will come out on the 12th. So you will be hearing... Yeah, you'll be hearing our episode about One False Move, directed by Carl Franklin, and Pleased to Meet Me by The Replacements. Ooh. So that episode will have just come out as well. So watch out for that. YLG, of course, me and Fed, and you can watch those videos as well. Uh, you probably want me to stop talking because we've been talking for two hours. Maybe I'll be able to edit it down. Hopefully yeah. I will. Probably I will. Ian Campbell, thank you very much, my friend. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being here. Can you help me say goodbye to everybody now? Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Sorry it was so long, but it's the episode about podcasts that has to go long. That's how it works. That's it, baby. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.